Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. O.com with Mosquito Joe. Outside is fun again. Go to 610sports.com right now to make your selection in our Survivor League. And if you pick correctly, you'll be entered to win a $1,500 Visa gift card. I love winning. 610 Sports Radio, KCSB Kansas City, WDAFHG2 Liberty, and Odyssey Station. Football. Energy drinks. Beer. More football. Welcome to Bink at Night. Welcome back to Bank at Night, taking you up to uh, Seattle Mariners, Kansas City Royals baseball. Josh Vernier's on deck show a little bit later tonight, 8 o'clock. There's always been something about late night West Coast games I like. Kramer, I know you're a big, we Kramer staying stone with me tonight. We meet again, Kramer. No, we uh, do, we do. And uh, also, before I get started, a shout out Bob Fesco. I know Bob likes to uh, partake in listening at night, so huge shout out to, uh, to Bob. Thanks, Bob. Bob's a Bob's a big supporter. Billy, you listening? That's all I care about. No, but for West Coast baseball, Kramer, you a fan or not? I know you're a huge MLB fan. We both like baseball quite a bit. Of course, you like football and do stuff for Arrowhead Pride as well. But there's some majesty in late night baseball, my man. I mean, my second favorite team is the Oakland Athletics. So I mean, hey, I'll stay up Stop at night. Stop by your head. I'll, st- I'll, hey, I'll stay up at night and watch the game before I go to bed. Why are you the fan antagonist? Are you like that? It, it's, are it's you the fun. guy? If I say that sky's blue, are you like, no, nah, actually, Jay, it's it's. I mean, I'm, sli- it's not I'm quite slightly blue. colorblind, it's, but I can see it's blue. Are you just antagonist, or do you actually like these teams, or do you like teams? No, no the A's are my favorite team in the West. Did Did well, you the like AL. them with Brett Laurie, that whole thing, and like messing with the Royals? Did you? Oh, that was funny. I, I mean, really? I, I was like, this is because it's it's interesting. It, it if draw, I didn't like you so much, I'd punch you. Yeah. I'm a huge Josh Donaldson fan. <laughs> back a hey, back in high school, I got the his mohawk when he was on the A's back in '14. Remember Brett Laurie? He had those pictures where he was uh, Edward uh, with the Edward Scissorhands with the beers, where you uh, taped the forty to your hand. Yes. Yeah. Brett Laurie's a punk. He he always has been and always probably he was, will he be. was overrated. He was overrated. He was a punk, and he was a liar. Oh, I te- texted Escobar and said I was sorry. Then you talk to Esky. Oh, I didn't get any text from uh, Brett Laurie. Okay. Well, I believe Escobar. I believe Escobar too. But there you go. Oh no. I, hey, I never. Hey, I never liked uh, Brett Laurie. So it's everything's good. But the, you know what? That was fun though. I'll admit it. It was fun. Oh, it drives it drives eyeballs to the game. I sat there on MLB the show the whole next day, plunking Brett Laurie with the Royals pitchers. Honestly, I'm not making this up. Like I was doing it just for fun. And then the Royals became Plunkapalooza. Uh, with the A's the next day, and I loved it. I mean, it was one of my favorite baseball games ever when, you know, Herrera throws one behind. Brett Laurie, Giordano plunked him. 
I mean, it was just that was just a it was a fun game. That was what baseball is all about. I enjoyed having a rival for once, you know. It's always nice and fresh when it's also a different team. Because we're not getting that in football right now with the Chiefs. They just they, they've stamped their ownership on this division. Despite what you think, what you write, and what you say, Kramer, they have stamped this division. Andy Reid owns everything. It's like Monopoly. Like you had to pay Andy Reid when you step on spaces. And I know the Raiders won here and had fun with it. But let's chew the fat here. Chiefs are eight and two in the last ten against the Raiders. Eleven out of thirteen. Chiefs are eight and two against the Chargers in the last ten. Twelve of the last fourteen. Denver, step on up. Chiefs have won eleven straight against the Denver Broncos. The last quarterback to beat Denver or to beat Kansas City with Denver is Peyton Manning, who, by the way, just went into the Hall of Fame recently, a couple weeks ago. Oh, no, I absolutely agree with you. The The Chiefs, this is their – they sleep and lead, eat, breathe, everything. This is their division. It, it's, it's their division. When I hear people, like, debating, you know, the Chiefs can win this division or not or, you know, back – of course they are. Like, this is the – AFC West is the easiest division to predict. Now, if you're going to talk AFC North – are the Steelers going to surprise everybody? Or is Baltimore and Cleveland going to battle out? Okay. The NFC West. There's some real uncertainty in the NFC West with some team. Now the 49ers going to return to form from a couple years ago. The Seahawks going to put their stamp on it. What Sean McVay and the Rams, you know, have in store for people. There is some real question marks. Arizona. To me, Arizona is like the Raiders. More pressure on them to get to the playoffs in the NFC like the Raiders have in the AFC. Two teams. You would think have a bright future, although I like the Cardinals' future better than the Raiders. Sorry, Kramer. But two teams that have the most pressure in the NFL to get the playoffs that didn't make it last year. Would you agree? I, I agree. Okay. So Andy Reid, 19-5 and in the month of September. Cleveland has not won a season-opening game since 2005. How old were you in 2005, Kramer? Hmm. I want to say I'm, I was eight or nine. Okay. Maybe. So, so, so you're basically in first grade, second grade, something like that? Yeah. Think about that. That's the last time they won a season opening game. When you were in first or second grade, and you're pondering this and looking up. I think you said you were smart, and you're sitting here trying I'm, to figure it out. 2005, just tell me how old you were. I mean, I'm 24 now, so. There you go. Do the math that I'm way. glad you knew that. Was that 13 years ago? <laughs> no, my brain is zero, not working 15 right now. and one. That's sixteen years ago, since 05. So sixteen minus twenty four is eight. Yes, so you're eight years old. I was eight. Oh yeah, I was, I was close. So kindergarten, you're what? Five years old. First grade, six. So you, second you grade, seven. So second grade, second grade. So second grade. That was a long time ago, Kramer. Man, my brain is not working. You right probably now. had the Scooby Doo backpack or Power Rangers or whatever, and you're going to school, and that's the last time Cleveland won. An opening series game. I mean, the Chiefs are getting in the right territory. I loved it. Travis Kelsey, you see the video going around now. Travis Kelsey, you know, they got in a ring. They're in the locker room. He's like, this isn't the ring we want. The one we want said the Super Bowl. You know, family, he said right there. Everybody's gunning for them now. The story has not been written on the 2021 season. People are thinking about it. How are you going to write the story? Look at the Titans. They have, what, eight guys down on the COVID list? What kind of season are we going to have? Well, the way the NFL did it last year, we're going to have a season. There was 256 regular season games last year. The NFL played all 256. This year, there's 272. 272 will get played in the National Football League this year. It is go time for the Kansas City Chiefs. And I love it. I was on with a a station uh, in Columbia today. It was uh, Springfield the other day with Dart Haynes. 
And they all had the same question. Everybody's asked the same question. Who stood out of camp? Who's the, the biggest camp surprise? And, you know, who's on that bubble for the Chiefs? You'll find out tomorrow. Tomorrow's the last day to show anything. Because last year they didn't get the opportunity to show anything. So the Jody Fortsons of the world, the Marcus Kim, you know, didn't get a chance to showcase what you could do the last game of the year. This is much different because you have preseason. Because Tuesday, it's bringing your playbook for the off, to the office day. Or your iPad, whatever it is now. Because Tuesday, they're cutting from 85, or excuse me, 80 down to 53. They went 90 to 85 after first preseason game, then down to 80 this past week. It gets shaved down all the way to 53. Then you figure out your practice squad, which, to be honest with you, a lot of these guys were looking at the to make the roster, the end of the roster. Can they make it? Like Gore, the running back, no, he's probably be in the practice squad. Like a lot of the guys you're looking at, but the regular, the regular team is set. Like this Chiefs team is set and ready to go. Now, we can argue all, all we want about DeAndre Baker. Can he take over Mike Hughes? You know, Mike Hughes got the, the spot at this point. Can he take it over? Like, we can argue about all the little things like that. But the core is set, and that's the beautiful thing. The beautiful thing, there's no quarterback controversies. You're not like Jacksonville, you know, awaiting your starter, Trevor Lawrence. You're not in Denver. You get the whole drama between, is it going to be Drew Locke or Teddy Bridgewater? Ended up being Teddy Bridgewater. Drew said it was close, though. And I agree, man. I've watched a lot of Denver preseason, and man, that was Teddy kind of pulled ahead of him here at the end. But they both were on the same page, to be honest with you, in Week One, which further cement the fact that I think they have a better roster than the Los Angeles Chargers. Everybody's uh, All-American team. I do contend now if they can get coaching for Vic Fangio, or as I was on with Pete Sweeney on EuroheadPride.com earlier today, he was asking me all these questions. Who's the offensive MVP? Who's the defensive MVP going to be? What's the final record going to be? Who are they going to play in the AFC title game? I mean, he's just throwing them fast and furious, man. And one of the questions was, was Eric Bieniemy end up next year? I said he could end up as the head coach of Denver Broncos. I mean, Dave Coley could, I mean, they could move on from him in Houston, but that ship already sailed. You know, he wasn't really interested in Houston. Denver, Chicago, if they don't start Justin Fields. I mean, there's a lot of choices. Where's the enemy going to end up? If I'm Denver, I'm backing up the Brinks truck for that guy because he's focused, ready to go, man. Just like last night when we talked to Maurice Jones Drew, he was at UCLA from 03 to 05, and Eric Bienemy was the UCLA running back coach 03 to 05. They knew each other well. This guy's get, getting set. But he asked me my offense and defensive MVP. An offensive MVP. I couldn't use Patrick Mahomes. He was the space we couldn't because clearly that's probably who you'd pick. I mean, it's of course it's uh, Patrick Mahomes has become the free space. Yes, and so I went Kelsey. You know, he went Tyree Kill. They're both going to shine. It's one A one B. But Travis Kelsey has averaged 101 catches the last three years. That is insane. To me, he is getting better every single year. I know he's crossed that 30 threshold. But he's still getting better. To me, that's if you ask me to take Mahomes out, who's the offensive MVP this year going forward with Travis Kelsey? Defensive MVP, I would have said Tyron Matthew the last couple of years. But I'm going to say Chris Jones because he flashed to me at training camp. It's not a camp guy either. It's not like Jody Fortson really stood out to me. No, it's Chris Jones. We all know how good Chris Jones is for the Kansas City Chiefs. 15 and a half sacks. A couple of years ago, but the way he, the way that he, seriously, man, you've seen you've seen Chris Jones. Like now, I don't have to tell you what I'm thinking because I know a lot of you went to St. Joe to watch the Chiefs. But you watch preseason games, 
You saw what he did against San Francisco. Lined up on the outside a couple plays, moving the inside sack. Last week he got a sack from the outside and a little inside move. I mean, this guy, this guy's a stud, but that was my defensive MVP. Any disagreements from you? Because normally I'd go Tyron Matthew, but I went Chris Jones defensive MVP this year. Travis Kelsey on offense because you can't say Mahomes. I mean, that kind of works. I think uh, LeJarrius Steen might be a, a, a sneaky dark horse for the defensive uh, player of the year for the Chiefs. Because he moves I like around a lot. He oh, moves yeah. around a lot. And he's your nickel corner pretty much. Yeah, I'm just saying, yeah, I, I like that. But Travis Kelsey, yes. No, he's you're just, he's going to be your offense. If it's not him, it's going to be Hill or it's going to be Clyde. You would hope you would hope that at the end of the year we're saying, well, ends up being Clyde. Like that, that'd, that'd be you, nice. That'd like be very nice. Thinking, you know, running, catching, doing things like that. Chiefs are a marked team. They're a marked team. We we all heard what Cleveland was saying the other day with John Johnson. You know, a lot of people have run with John Johnson. Do you remember what John Johnson said? Right, he was a safety for the Rams that ended up uh, with the Cleveland Browns. Browns took fifty percent of the number one secondary in the NFL with the Rams. Is why I've been saying. Cleveland actually took the biggest step of anybody trying to catch the Chiefs. This is what Johnson said. Oh, definitely. That's that's the last one from last year. It's going to be the first one from this year. So it's definitely a little, uh, it's a vindictive vibe. You know, definitely want to get back at those guys. But, you know, I always want to win the opener regardless of who it is. So that's what we got to go out there and do. People running with this. See, he can't say it's vindictive. He was with the Rams last year. He didn't feel that pain of Cleveland. He can go back and watch it. He was in the Rams playoff game that weekend. I think they were playing the Packers that weekend. He wasn't a member, but that, that's their sentiment. That's their feeling. That's their, in Cleveland, they're feeling themselves. Their radio hosts are all talking about, you know, when they, I, you know what? I can't argue with them because I've been bloviating about the Cleveland Browns forever, too, because they actually took a step to try to stop the Chiefs. What's going on in Denver right now is not a step. It's Bridgewater. They passed on Justin Fields, who's the truth. They needed a quarterback. They went... <laughs> They went controversy instead of given. Same thing with the Panthers. Same thing with the Lions. All of them need quarterbacks. Sam Darnold, Jared Goff, not the answers. Justin Fields might be. And then if the Eagles turn around and throw three first-round picks for Deshaun Watson, which one of them will be a second if Carson Wentz doesn't play 75% of the snaps, they could have just used one pick on Justin Fields. So, you know, something about these quarterbacks drafted 10th or 11th, but... Cleveland took the biggest step to me. Pete did ask me who I think the Chiefs will face in the AFC title game. I said Buffalo. Still went Buffalo. That's interesting. I thought you'd say at least Cleveland. Uh, you know what? I, I thought you I'm would. Feeling it, but you know what, though? Cleveland, again, in, in Buffalo, you can say the same thing for. They're going to be worn out in their division. They're going to be worn out in their division. Like Cleveland's battles with Baltimore, because Baltimore kicked their ass in week one last year, 38-6, to six, drilled them. You look at the AFC East. Dolphins won double-digit games last year. Saul is turning the Jets around. I know Lawson's hurt for the year, but, you know, different mentality. Oh, by the way, New England and Bill Belichick beat the Bills 32 out of 35 games with Tom Brady. Took a step back last year, obviously, but he still won seven games with the kind of a not-so-great roster. Things are different. They spent $137.5 million in free agency. Yeah, they're going to have something to say for it. But, again, the battle is tougher amongst these other teams than what the Chiefs are. The Chiefs' path is paved with gold. The other ones are paved with, you know, uncertainty within their division. Great stuff. 913-576-7610 is the phone number. Jay Southland, Toe Service text line, 913-576-7610. Stephen and Lenexa, I'll get to you in just a few minutes. 
But what we're watching for tomorrow night, that's important. Plus, Travis Kelsey gave some great insight on Patrick Mahomes and the development of him behind Alex Smith with Rich Eisen today. We'll do that next. This is Bank at Night on your home for Royals baseball and the official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. You think Willie Gay listens to Bob Fesco like in his, his AirPods, like before a game? Think he listens to Bob's songs? Oh, that, that song? Yeah. Oh, no, I don't, I don't think he's going to be listening to that song. He might. It'll make you mad, make him angry. Well, uh, that's true. Might be, it might be a good uh, stick for him. Tomorrow's put the baby to, with the bathwater tomorrow night. Tomorrow's put the kids to bed. 10 o'clock when the game's over, it's Cleveland time. Cleveland is on the clock. Like that's but the most exciting thing about tomorrow night. Get through the game, limit the injuries, and let's talk Cleveland. Then do your fantasy drafts, because I hope you didn't draft Travis ATM. Steven Lenexa, what's up, Steve? Hey guys, I wanted to respond to Big T shirt and all the Camaro head Kool-Aid drinkers out there. All right. A lot uh, of people don't know what you're talking about, Steve, but you called last night. Oh, and in your arrogant ways, you pissed off some people, but I like you. But but then Big T called in to respond and called you a, a bunch of names. And I said that uh, if you guys want to battle it out, I'm here for it. So well, keep I'm, it clean, Stephen, because I know you get a little wild. I'm the governor of reality, reality town. So, you know, I just wanted to tell all, all of these uh, Camaro head Kool-Aid drinkers that the, the days of, of uh, to answer your original question, you need uh Clyde to be MVP because you've got a bunch of ham and eggers at your at your secondary receiver position. Steve, so, it doesn't matter, man. It doesn't matter. This team has been to three straight AFC title games. Right. And you're gonna win a bunch of twenty one twenty games. Your 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 days of No, this defense is much better. This defense is much better, Steve. You're you're so negative, Steve. You know what? Call in when it happens. Cause Steve, this is the whole the, this is the whole thing you did with with me on Team USA Basketball. Then they have won in a gold medal. Uh, Fesco wants us to play his uh, song in its entirety, the uh, Brett Veach Town. I don't know exactly where to find that uh, at this point, Kramer. But the bottom line is, it's still watching the offensive line. The offensive line is still a number one. We might see them for the entire first half tomorrow. Maybe not. Andy Reid did say uh, that the starters would play most of the first half tomorrow. I mean, again, Again, then he kind of clarified it with Patrick Mahomes, and he's clarified it before because he got a lot of work in against Arizona. Probably seen enough of Patrick Mahomes this preseason, in my opinion, but he'll probably get a cup of coffee out there uh, tomorrow night. But, again, you know, it's home crowd, GAG Field at Arrowhead Stadium. They want to make things exciting. But, again, would you rather have excitement or would you rather have your team 100% healthy? So you got to get away those two options uh, back there, but Andy Reid basically said the uh, starters will play the first half. Seen it for. I'm okay with the offensive line playing the whole first half. If Mahomes wants to drive, that's fine. Two drives, okay. Then just keep the offensive line in there and get the starters going. With me on that, Kramer. You know what's been a common theme that a lot of uh, man, it's been about 50 50, man. Teams playing their starters and not. I will say this the last three Super Bowl champions all chose to play their starters. Think there's anything to that? Yeah, get them ready. I know that they like it. I know the players like it. I mean, Eric Bieniemy, you know, was talking about that as well, that, uh, you know, the the fact is you play in the, the preseason, you have the guys play, and it's 
It's important for them to get out there. There's a lot of value. This is what he said actually this week about the value of uh, playing your starters. Well, I, I think it helps all of them. It helps Pat. It helps the O-line because they're still developing that chemistry. One thing that we always talk about is the importance of over-communicating clarity, good, bad, or indifferent. As long as the communication is there and everybody's on the same page, we will always find a way to make it right. But we got to continue working on that, and that's an aspect of when you got young players up front. So you want to make sure you're continuing that continuity and building that chemistry so guys would know exactly what to do and how to handle those situations once the season kicks off. So you'll probably see Mahomes, but again, all right, there's 14 starting quarterbacks in the NFL that have not played in the preseason, according to James Palmer. Their names, Matt Ryan, Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, Baker Mayfield, Dak Prescott, Aaron Rodgers, Carson Wentz, Derek Carr, Justin Herbert. Again, I don't understand that. New head coach, only second year in the NFL. He hasn't accomplished crap yet. Why aren't you playing in the preseason, Justin? Don't get that one. Matt Stafford, Daniel Jones, Russell Wilson, Ryan Tannehill. That is a lot of quarterbacks that haven't played one snap. Again, I like the philosophy of playing them a little bit. Like, why the hell isn't Justin Herbert playing, man? Derek Carr. It's not like these guys have rings on their fingers. Not like these guys have won a playoff game. Grand total of playoff wins between Derek Carr and Justin Herbert sits at zero. Same with Stafford. And Tim, I'm the type of person that I want my player out there so he at least get hit maybe a few times in that preseason game, nothing like so they can at least get used to that. Okay, we're gonna feel this exact same way every single week. So why not try to get used to it now? Because I mean, granted, practice you have to practice hard, but once it gets to the game, it's a different type of mentality. Well, I mean, you know, a lot of teams will play a lot of the different players, but that's a lot of quarterbacks that haven't got that chemistry down with their team. I mean, it's like last year they said you couldn't play preseason; they took preseason away. I understand at that point, but when the preseason games are there, no one's playing them. Eventually, the NFL is going to look at this. I just led you, read you a laundry list of quarterbacks that haven't played. Now, keep in mind, the Tom Brady's of the world, the, the Patrick Mahomes of the world have played. Hmm. Interesting. Tom Brady's won seven Super Bowls but still played the preseason. How does that happen? And a guy like Justin Herbert hasn't played at all. New head coach, his second year in the NFL. He doesn't get his shirt dirty in the preseason. And, heck, both the um, offensive performances for the Chargers the past back-to-back weeks have been dreadful. Uh, Herbert, to me, is the most shocking thing because of his potential. You have a new head coach. That's You would think they'd want to get some game-day type stuff out of the way. Is the quarterback here in the play? You know, you would think they would want to get some game-day type stuff, situations out of the way with their starter. And, they don't. And you can also test them right there. Is he able to audible? Especially with a, a bunch of crowd now. Different. Because yeah. he played in front of nothing but cardboard and 20% of fans last year. And heck, he's still cutting audible. So we'll see. I'm not high in the Chargers. So. I'm, I'm, the, I'm, in, I'm in the same camp with okay. you. Okay. Yeah, I actually like the Broncos uh, roster better than them. But regardless, time to talk more Kansas City Chiefs. What are we looking for tomorrow night? Maybe making that roster bubble at the end of it. We'll talk to Ron Kopp, ArrowheadPride.com next. This is Bank at Night on your home for Royals baseball and the official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. And welcome back to Bank at Night, Jay Binkley, Kramer, Sandstone. I love this, man. I love this. From the 785, 
This guy's talking about Kool-Aid drinking, talking about the Chiefs, and he's mentioned San Diego in like three tweets. It's like at some point I get one mistake. We've all made a mistake. But you said San Diego three times. You're trying to talk about the Chiefs needing a wideout. There's no Kool-Aid being drunk. They've been to three straight AFC title games, back-to-back Super Bowls. They've won the AFC West five straight times. You, sir, are an ignorant football fan and a hater, and you need to understand San Diego's not have a team. Again, I'll let one slip go by, but you've done it three times. You're an idiot. Let's go to Ron. What's up, Ron? Ron Kopp, ArrowheadPride.com. How are we doing, Ron? Doing good. It's, it's that time of year, cramming for fantasy drafts and all that. So that's that's what's on top of my mind, Bink. But, uh, yeah, I'm doing good. What's up with you? Well, you know what? Um, I mean, I, I have – okay, I, I did one last week. There'll be another one after these. I like to wait till the preseason is done. Uh, some teams like playing their starters. Some don't. I mentioned there's 14 starting quarterbacks, Ron, that haven't played in the preseason. You know, guys like Justin Herbert and Derek Carr that probably – could stand a chance to play in the pre, especially Herbert. He's got a new head coach, right? I, yeah, I just no, don't understand I, that. I thought the char- that that Chargers thing. How how many people they they held out of their preseason was was very surprising to me. I know they have like that black cloud of injury curse that's always kind of surrounding them. They seem to always have that curse. So I kind of get it. But yeah, I mean Herbert's a second year player. He's definitely got to get these preseason snaps. I was surprised to see that. Yeah, I was surprised to see that as well. But. Uh, you know, the one thing about this team is Andy Reid said the starters, you know, would play in the, in the first half. Maybe, maybe Mahomes, I'm not 100% sure about. He did clarify that, saying, well, he did get a lot of reps against the Cardinals. But let's face it, this team is basically set, Ron. This team is basically set, but there's still things to watch. Still want to see the line because they do think they'll play uh, beyond Mahomes being in the game. You'll see a lot of the offensive uh, linemen still playing. Jody Fordson. I'm sure we'll talk about him. Marcus Camp, can they make the roster? Mike Hughes, the whole Mike Hughes, DeAndre Baker thing. I say watch out a little bit for DeAndre Baker when he's 100%. Still think um, he could do a little damage. But what will you be watching in this final game? What value are you looking for? The most intriguing position battle left, in my opinion, is, is that last, or those couple, I should say, couple last receiver spots, that wide receiver Man, there, there is some competition all of a sudden. I really have liked what I've seen from Dorey Fountain. And it's kind of just, I, I don't want to see him, you know, go to another team and kind of flourish there. I know he's had a couple of years in the NFL already uh, with the Indianapolis Colts. But, man, I've I, I, I just really liked what I've seen. He kind of fits exactly what the Chiefs look for at their ex-receiver in terms of just his physical build, but also how he plays. He made a really tough catch over the middle against Arizona that, that Matt Stagner on Twitter pointed out that, you know, you don't see a lot of uh, backup receivers hold on to that ball and get popped like that over the middle and, and just, you know, be good. And that's, that's valuable in, in the Chiefs offense. Kind of similar to like Byron Pringle. He's pretty good. I've been able to, you know, have tough catches like that over the middle as well. And so, man, it's just tough because there's not room for a guy like that unless you make a kind of a surprising move elsewhere. I know Marcus Kemp could be, the, the guy they flip with, maybe they like Fountain over Kemp, and, and Fountain can provide some of the special team stuff that Kemp does. But it seems like they like Kemp, and it seems like Kemp you know, has a strong hold on a roster shop spot maybe too. Is there, is there a chance that Powell gets cut? You know, if a fifth-round pick this year, the front office never wants to let go of, of their fifth-round uh, you know, fifth draft choice, obviously, in the same year. So that makes that a little unlikely. And so is, is there a possibility that something could be really shaken up like Let's say Demarcus Robinson gets gets the cut, which I, I wouldn't bet on it or anything. But if there's one of these veteran receivers yep. uh, on the team 
that could be that he let go just to kind of get more youth and in, movement inside and and that's the thing with you know if, if they like Pringle and, and to play Robinson's spot and kind of take those snaps it kind of does make sense so yeah I, I I'm really curious to see if, if they give Fountain and, and uh, Kemp and Powell more run and and just to see if Fountain continues to play well because. If he does, he's going to make it really hard on the Chiefs to make that decision. I'm with you. I have the Chiefs keeping six receivers this year. Hill, Pringle, Hardman. Robinson, I, I got him on here at this point. Now, he could be definitely knocked off, but it's still he's on here. And I have Cornell Powell and Marcus Kemp. Uh, Darius Fountain making a case there. All right, who's going to be the odd man out? Cornell Powell to Marcus Robinson. I think Fountain stating his case for this team. The reason I don't think that these draft picks – have that security like they've had in the past, Ron. Maybe you agree or disagree. This year's draft was such a crapshoot. So many guys were unknown with the medicals, uh, opting out of the season, only playing half the season or playing only conference games and not playing the bowl game, not having the combine. There was so much uncertainty. So I understand why teams may back away from picks this year like they haven't in the past. But you look at a Sean Wade, fifth-round pick, uh, already being traded to the Patriots, right, for the Ravens. I mean, that stuff's already happened with guys that are drafted this year. I wouldn't be shocked because there still could be a, a home for him on the practice squad. Like, yeah, I don't they, I don't they, think Powell screams to me, okay, if you grab him off the practice squad, he's got to be on your 53. Like, he doesn't scream, grab him off the Chiefs. You trust him enough to put him on your 53. And, again, the Chiefs can't protect four players. Yeah, no, that's a good point because it's not like Powell has, has done a lot of preseason to where another team's going to see him and be like, oh, man, we got to go get him. And just I, another point I want to you know, make about uh, Fountain maybe making the team and, and how he could make room on that team with, like, Robinson maybe going. I just thought it was really interesting, and I'm sure you saw it. Assistant head coach and special teams coordinator Dave Tobe, he, he had some things to say about Robinson, which were not very uh, – Oh, yeah. Weren't very complimentary. Um, and, and obviously he's talking about him as a returner. He said he drove him a little nuts. He'd like to see him tuck the ball away. He'd like to see him get up, you know, upfield north and south more than trying to play east and west, which you could say all those things about him as a receiver as well on the offense. When he gets the ball in his hands, he all of a sudden takes the ball out in, in that one hand like it's a quarterback pitch option sometimes, and it drives me crazy. So I'm sure it drives the coaches crazy. I don't know. That's, that's an assistant head coach saying that kind of stuff. It is interesting. I, I just think it was, it was it was noteworthy to me. I, I don't think you hear coaches be that negative, I guess, about a player. But it also he also was just talking about the return game where Robinson's not going to be much of a returner anyway. And that might have just been Tobe kind of being you know blatant about stuff. But it it is just it is just funny to me that that just this week we hear a coach kind of pretty much dog or a receiver you know uh, in in public in the media. Talking to Ron Cop, Arrowhead Pride. Dot com and it, rather was actually a couple things said this week. I thought that was interesting. I also thought it was, it, thought it was interesting with Andy Reid on Monday, like assessing McCole Hardman in that game because he did have to step up for Tyree Kills wide receiver one. And you know he questioned. You know, he, he said it point blank. You got to be ready when you get called up. And he said he made some good plays. And he said he made some bad plays. That's something we really haven't heard from Andy Reid. So playing the game of motivation through the media hoping it sticks, and hopefully it motivates him. That's a good point. Yeah, no, that you know those players hear what they said. And, and, yeah, you're right. There is some motivation factor to it. The McColl thing, man, it, it is a little frustrating as a fan because I think we all, as, as people who watch the Chiefs over the last two years, have seen these constant miscommunications between him and Mahomes where, you know, it's an incomplete pass towards Hardman. 
and they cut back to Mahomes, and, and you see him looking downfield, maybe yelling, maybe pointing in the air, pointing one way or the other. You can just tell that Mahomes wasn't expecting something or, or maybe just thought McColl should run this route this way, that way, that kind of thing. And it was just really kind of disheartening, honestly, to see it in three separate times uh, in my count. Maybe it could have been a few more or maybe I misinterpreted one of them. But it happened quite a few times against Arizona in the preseason game. This is Hardman's third year, and I know it's the preseason, so they're still obviously getting into it, and it could be you know, something to fix by regular season or midseason. But I just figured by now those things need to be eliminated. Whether or not Hardman takes the jump to be an actual legitimate wide receiver too, he can't be having these constant miscommunications with the quarterback. That's, that's, that alone in itself is not going to help you progress, even if you do get better at route running, better at separation. If you can't get this, this – Whatever the miscommunications are with Mahomes down, if you can't get those fixed, it's, it's, I can't see him being, you know, a, a long-term piece here. Um, and that's just disheartening that, in, in, you know, even in his third season, those things are still happening. And it really doesn't seem like those things happen with any other receiver. It really has seemed like Hardman's been the main one that we've seen these kind of little events happen after plays. It's just a little uh, disheartening, I would say. Do the Chiefs keep four tight ends, in your opinion? I would, I would think it's a, it's a strong possibility now that Fortson's playing so well and he's played so well on special teams. And I really think they, they see the value in Blake Bell. I don't think they just flip-flop, uh, you know, Bell for Fortson and keep those three. I think they really want to have Bell, especially for those first games. You know, in the first few weeks, you're playing Miles Garrett. You're playing in, against the Chargers. You're playing a Joey Bosa. You want someone who can, who can help stay in a tight end and ship with your tackles, especially a guy like Lucas Niang. He's in his first NFL experience going against those guys. You definitely want someone to help him. So I would say, yeah, I, I, I think it's a strong possibility at this point. And the way they can do that is by keeping only three running backs. And I think that's, that's, that's one way to do it is, is to keep three running backs, nine offensive linemen, and then you have room for a fourth tight end. So I think it's very a strong possibility. You buying into this defense? No first, no first down for the Cardinals until about five minutes left in the second quarter. 56 yards on about seven drives. They've had so far this season. They've looked fantastic. Is it real? Not real to you. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I think there's reason definitely to be confident about the defense, especially the defensive line. And that's, in my opinion, probably the most important unit on this on this defense right now. If that defensive line can wreak havoc like we kind of all think they can at their ceilings, you know, if Frank Clark plays to his ceiling, if Jaron Reed's as good as we expect, if rotational guys like Colin Saunders and Turf Wharton can be – you know, uh, disruptive like we've kind of seen them in the preseason so far. By the way, Turk Warden's had a great preseason. He's been one of the best pass rushers. It, I think he's been he's been the best pass rusher on the team in the preseason, hmm. uh, discounting Chris Jones obviously with the two sacks. But yeah, I I I think there's definitely reason to be confident in the defense, and and especially this last game. Uh, actually, our, our one of our new guys, Brian Stewart on Arrowhead Pride, broke it down. But the cornerbacks played really well, and especially in the tackling game, all of them. We're really aggressive tackling uh, around the line of scrimmage, especially with Jerry Sneed. That's one thing that I, I, you really like to see because I think Spags really asks that from their corners to be aggressive, you know, in that flat area, that, that low part of the zone. And they have been. And, and that all is adding up to where the cornerback group, you know, at first we weren't super maybe optimistic about it, but now it almost looks like we have more guys than, than we need in terms of Baker and Hughes fighting for one spot with Sneed and Ward already. And then Fenton, obviously, in the mix. Yeah, I, I think I think there's reason to definitely be confident about the defense. Ron Kopp, ArrowheadPride.com, does fantastic work over there. At Ron underscore K-O-P-P. He'll be a part of the uh, 
It'll be a part of our uh, weekly Arrowhead Pride radio show starting here like we've done in the past here on 610 Sports Radio on Wednesday nights. Thanks a ton, Ron. Really appreciate it. Yeah, appreciate you, Jay. Thanks. Thank you. Coming up next, Kramer, um, optimism for the Royals. I'll get to this. Meant to get to this last night. We got a lot of busy with the Chiefs. We got a lot of Chiefs next hour leading you into Vern with Vern's on deck show before the Royals play the Mariners. But I saw something, wanted to talk about something about the Royals, and which really gives me optimism for the future. It's here, it's prevalent, it's now. We'll discuss it next. This is Bank at Night on your home for Royals baseball and the official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. Welcome back to Big and I, Jay Binkley, Kramer Sansone, a.k.a. the Kramer Dog. Here, Kramer and I, each Sunday or Monday or Thursday night when the Kansas City Chiefs play, we'll have Chiefs post game for you. And that's probably the most fun we have all week, Kramer. I can't think of anything that's more fun than that. Yeah, getting to talk Chiefs right after the game? Reaction after the game, you kidding me? Oh, yeah. After Mitch, after Mitch Holtus and Art Haynes. On the post-game show, coming in and talking Chiefs with you. Can't wait for that. The Kansas City Royals, they post, they've uh, they posted a 20-17 and 17 record since the break. They've won six series since the All-Star break. Yesterday was the Royals' first loss in a one-run game since that All-Star break. Now they're 7-1 in one, one-run game since the break. Eight of the Royals' nine starts over the last week came from pitchers 26 or younger. It's per David Holtzman over at Bally Sports. Eight of the nine starts of the last week came from pitchers 26 or younger, record 5-1, and one, 2.39 ERA over that span. And I get it. You stayed Mike Miner. He's not part of the equation, not part of the future. That's what gets me excited. That's what gets me excited. You have the young guns. If you haven't seen Coar. I mean, think about this. Jonathan Boland, a guy that uh, you didn't hear much about but probably would have gotten some prototype run. Had he not had Tommy John, he's done North Coast Arkansas, pitcher from Memphis, part of that 2018 draft class, high draft pick for the Kansas City Royals. Tommy John was out for the year. Or he would have he would have gotten some of that prototype buzz. He would have. He made Team USA for baseball. Didn't get to play because of that. MLB Pipeline, Kramer. I don't know if you saw this or not. They uh, ranked, well, Baseball America's done it, and then MLB Pipeline's done it. And Jonathan Mayo and stuff like that's over there. I always like, I kind of like the uh, MLB pipeline. I've kind of gone off that. The Royals have six guys on that. Bobby Witt, Jr. at three, 59, Daniel Lynch, then 71, 72, 73, Prado, Melendez, Coar, that group. Coar's a 92nd on the list. And I always see the prospects and the rankings. It doesn't mean anything. They still have to prove themselves. But 71, 72, and 73 are Prado, Lynch, and Melendez. Prado got himself back on this list because um, he's had a down year. A couple years ago, he was at South Atlantic League with Lex- Lexington Legends. Then he went. They won a title. Then he goes up to Wilmington. They won a title. But what didn't? Hitting well. Him or Melendez. Both of them, same track. They were 2018 South uh, Atlantic League with Lexington. They get bumped up to Wilmington. Last year, the world shut down. Alternative site, Nick Prado, whatever it was, he changed. But he's been up there, and his numbers are pretty close to the same as Bobby Witt Jr.'s since then they've been up in AAA. But the bottom line is, they rank the farm systems. 
And throughout the season, I've seen a lot of the criticism. I've seen a lot of the criticism of the direction of the Keen City Royals. The people want to criticize. And I always meet it with skepticism. It's like, what are you talking about? What are you waiting for? Dayton Moore is the only GM in baseball that's won a ring with a small market baseball team. It just doesn't happen. And then people don't always throw the Rays at you. Rays make the World Series, yes, but wake me up when they have a parade. You know, the Royals went the back-to-back once. They've had to rebuild the farm system, and they had to do that because they pushed all in. They took their chips. They pushed them to the middle of the table. They traded five pitchers away for Quaid and Zobrist. Will Myers, part of the James Shields deal that became the Wade Davis deal. You've got to do things. But MLB.com ranked the Royals' farm system fifth overall. You don't get ranked this overall. I've seen so much hypocrisy with criticism on the Royals. Honestly, like so many people are keyboard hypocrites. Because on one hand, the Royals won't be winning and they'll blame Dayton Moore. But then on the other hand, they get so excited about Daniel Lynch. Who drafted Daniel Lynch? Dayton Moore. Oh, the Royals will drop a game eight to three. Oh, they suck. That's what people will say. But then, oh, Bobby Wood Jr., we're excited. Who drafted him? Dayton Moore. Who drafted Nick Prado? Dayton Moore. Who drafted six players in MLB Top 100? Dayton Moore. Who's in charge of the farm system that is ranked fifth in all of baseball with prospects? Dayton Moore. So hold in your energy. Hold your energy because I've seen it. Seen it all year. We want to criticize some things and praise some things, but you won't give him credit for building up the farm system. You won't give him credit for Nick Prado. You won't give him credit for Daniel Lynch. You won't give him credit for Bobby Wood Jr. You won't give him credit for signing Salvador Perez at 16 years old in Venezuela that could be the second Hall of Famer for the Kansas City Royals. You won't do it. Why won't you do it? Because you're a hypocrite. You only want to talk about the negative, but you won't talk about the positive. And I find it extremely interesting, Kramer. Am I off base here? No, I, it drives me nuts. Here's the thing, and also Dayton Moore is trying so hard for this team to be relevant, and he we saw it in this past offseason. And the fact that we can go back to when he was even on, first coming into Kansas City in the in the mid 2000s, he laid out the future for the players, saying, "Hey, this is what's going to happen. So we're either going to dish you off in a trade, or this is what we're going to do with you." Kind of like him, the conversation he had with Alex Gordon about, "Hey, we're going to move you to th- um, uh, out to left field because the third base thing." Dayton Moore knows what he's doing with his team. So the, the fans need to stop saying, all right, get rid of Dayton Moore because, oh, they went on a slump. Well, that's not his well, problem. Just, we heard it all year, and it's been one of those things because the team's not playing at people's expectations. Well, you know what? This year defied expectations because they shut down minor league baseball last year, and a lot of teams are in the same boat. We've mentioned Jared Klinik, one of the top prospects in all of baseball. He was higher ranked than Bobby Witt Jr., struggled when he got to the pros. There's a gap between minor league baseball and the major leagues. Contraction hurt minor league baseball. You know, but I've seen all this. But you love to cheer on Daniel Lynch. When he went back to Omaha, you're like, oh, man, here's another wasted draft pick. Then Daniel Lynch comes back, those fireballs, and all of a sudden you go, whoa, Chris Bubich almost threw a no-hitter in Chicago against the Cubs, but they had a rain delay for no rain. Figure that one out. Part of the 2018 draft class. So, again, we're seeing all these guys. You love seeing Bobby Wood Jr. and Nick Prado and these guys, MJ Melendez. The Bash brothers, all three of them up in Omaha now. Dayton Moore drafted them. Where's the criticism? Because you can't have one thing and not the other. You can't have your cake and eat it too. You're either all in or you're all out. Go find another team. Like, I've seen this criticism all the time. And it's so one-sided, it drives me nuts. 
because there's no appreciation. Like, you can't celebrate Bobby Witt in one hand and on the other hand say Dayton Moore can't draft. Can't have it that way. You can't say both things. You can't say or reverberate when some people text something they saw on Twitter. Come on, man. The people that know the game aren't on Twitter. They're the GMs of actual teams. They're, they might be on Twitter or whatever, but they're not tweeting out things. We have burner accounts. It's fan accounts. You know, guess it. Come on, man. I don't know. You don't know. No one knows. You know what I mean? It, it's funny all the pocket GMs that think they can do it better. I, I just find a lot of hypocrisy amongst baseball fans this season. It's a real shame. No, I absolutely agree with it's you. It's a that. real shame. I do. It's 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 sad to see it because I mean this is a better Royals team than like what they're yeah. putting out, and, and we're it, seeing it, that lately. Shame. It's a real shame when you see, you know, everybody talking about the Royals can't draft pitching and all this, and you don't see Boobich almost throwing no hitter. You see Daniel Lynch just carving up again, two point three nine ERA, eight of the last nine starts by pitchers under twenty six years old. It's called building the farm up, and it's not including Jackson Coar when he gets here. It's not including Jonathan Boland when he gets here. There's a lot of studs in the system. The fifth best farm system, according to MOE. Well, Baseball America had them higher, I think, than that. Was it like third? Yes. I'm just yes. going off MLB.com. So, well, heck, look a at, top five farm system on several of the most respected publications. Look at their AAA, AA, and even high A. Like, they have all winning records. The heck, the high A team has Quad City is, what, 18 games above 500, yeah. almost 20? Yep. And everything's good in this the minor system for the Royals. Lived here my whole life. We didn't have it this good. Didn't have it this good. Didn't win a lot of losses. Royals have been the two World Series since 2014. Chiefs have been the two straight Super Bowls. We got it good. But when you start getting it good, you want to complain. I get it. But don't but don't just save your energy. Don't, don't talk to me about Prado. Don't talk to me about Bobby Wood Jr. Don't talk to me about Daniel Lynch. If, on the other hand, you want to criticize the front office. Who the hell drafted these guys? Who the hell drafted them? Answer yourself that. Coming up next, Travis Kelsey was on with uh, Rich Eisen. And Rich Eisen posed him a question we've all asked a million times. Discuss that next. This is Bank at Night on your home for Royals baseball and the official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 